Welcome back to the Writer's Nook Podcast. I'm Hannah Bauman, editor and writing coach. And I'm Leah Davis, a fantasy and romance writer. For the next two episodes, we're doing something a little different, which is talking about how media other than books or websites can help you grow as a writer. Today, we'll be talking about anime and video games. And next time, we'll discuss television and movies, including shows on streaming services like Netflix and Hulu. I love Netflix and Hulu. And one of the benefits of engaging with media other than written words is that your eyes get a break. Yes, you still probably have to look at a screen of some kind. Not staring at words is actually pretty helpful. I stare at words all day long for my job, as I think a lot of people do nowadays. And sometimes I find my eyes unable to focus by the end of the day, even just to read a book for fun. So engaging with other, other media, excuse me, helps give me a break and relax. The brain can only take so much. We try to have a huge output, but we can't forget to refill ourselves. Someone might come in and say we should be reading, and there's nothing wrong with reading, but like Hannah said, there comes a point where we can't stand looking at words anymore. While getting a break is important, other forms of media and storytelling also engage your brain in different ways. It gives the part of your brain that is creating stories a break. It needs a chance to slouch on the couch with soft PJ pants and a bag of chips. Well, that sounds good. Yes, it does. So first, how about we talk about anime? Does that sound good to you, Leah? Bring it on. Okay, so for those of you who don't watch anime, it is basically a style of animated shows and movies that started out as popular in Japan, but is now a worldwide phenomenon, I guess if you want to call it that. The content is usually aimed at adults, but some shows like Pokemon are also aimed at kids. The ones we're going to talk about today are more grown up. The worlds are more involved, the stakes are higher, and the backstories are dark. Their themes are also very real and very complex as they deal with human desires and politics and the dangers of the world. And they're so visual, which feels like a whole other part of your brain. One might not think that a richly drawn scene in anime will impact writing, but it can do so much. Which also brings up video games. This is a visual form of storytelling that I grew up on. Not only has it evolved from pixels to fully rendered scenes, but video games add an element of decision making that almost nothing else offers. This is a lot to unpack in this episode, so instead of breaking down each anime and video game that we personally like, we're going to focus on aspects of storytelling and then give examples. So we'll focus on world building, character development, and overall storytelling in these two forms of media. I really like that. Let's start with world building. This is where the story happens. Many of the rules of a world influence how the story plays out. So disclaimer, I am a really big nerd. Um, It's not really a secret, but also not something that I really talk about in my business because it's not relevant. But I have been playing the infamous World of Warcraft for almost 15 years, which might be a little bit embarrassing, but I don't really care that much. I have seen this world and story play out, expand, contract, and evolve over time, and I've learned a lot from it as a writer. When it comes to world building in this video game, the rules of the world are very clear. Players can choose one of two sides, the Alliance or the Horde. The Alliance likes to paint themselves as the do-gooders of the world, while the Horde paints themselves as the survivors who are owed something. The entire story and world functions around these two political options and dictate how you, as the player, experience the story. 
Once you choose a side, you also choose a race and a class. Each race has its own history and limitations based on religion and magic, just as each class has limitations on powers and abilities. A mage can use fire, ice, or water, while a druid can access earth and moon-based magic. Beyond that, players are also introduced to gods, demon armies, rogue elements, and other parts of the world. These events and factions even force the Alliance and Horde to work together sometimes, and players have to work together as their different classes to find combination of skills and strategies that will work to defeat the bad guys. It is a very intricate and complex system, and if I had the time, I would probably create an entire podcast just based on world building in World of Warcraft, but I don't. So um, I'm sure you can see how these same elements that I have just talked about apply to some of your favorite fantasy stories, both in TV and in books. World of Warcraft is a great example of intricate world building that includes history and politics and how that affects a narrative. My favorite video game is much younger. Much, much younger. The Destiny series revolves around the solar system we know. It takes place in a busted future after the Traveler, a spaceship deity that granted humans some sort of sci-fi immortality, appeared in the skies over Earth. In the game's time period, humanity has faced a dystopian fall and lost tons of technology. Those gifted by the Traveler with this kind of immortality have banded together after decades of Darwinian power plays, and now they've become guardians for Earth and humanity. While hopping from planet to planet, defending humanity with elemental powers, the Guardians are forced to face the effects of the Traveler's movements through the systems. What it did when it left other races, what it attracted, and the downfall that both brought. Destiny 2 seems to be setting up players to make a choice soon. Stay with the Traveler and the Light and fight, or join the darkness and embrace luxury one last time before the end of everything. What I love are little lore pieces left here and there in casual conversations or things you can scan in-game. These small tidbits are usually glimpses into stories that have passed, but they bring a deeper understanding to the world. History shapes what we know in really unobvious ways that we can apply to our writing. Ain't that the truth? And just like video games, anime offers lessons in world building as well. My personal favorite, Avatar The Last Airbender, it originally aired on the U.S. network Nickelodeon, um, which is actually for kids programming, but the world and the themes explored are much deeper than what you would probably expect from a kid's animated show, which is not to say that it was not also kid-friendly because I started watching this when I was probably in middle school, but it just has themes that, you know, everyone can understand. So the basic premise is that there are four nations divided by each of the four classic elements, water, air, earth, and fire. Some citizens in each nation have the ability to connect with and control the element of said nation, like someone born in the Earth Kingdom may be what's called an earthbender. And beyond that service level magic nation connection, there is actually a complex political system and war raging on when the audience begins watching the show. The war has been going on for over a hundred years, with the Fire Nation being the aggressors against the other nations. I'm sure you can see some symbolism there. And the main characters, the story follows, have to overcome things like prejudice, just plain old aggression, conspiracies, and powers that are revealed little by little to the audience. I 
I remember that one. I think I watched it around like the early high school years as well. I don't remember finishing it though. Ah, it's so good. I have to get you to finish it someday. Well, that's if you watch what I tell you to watch too. (laughs) I think what you're going to see is that a lot of politics play a huge part in world building. If you're the kind of person who thinks that politics should be left out of things, try to assess how current politics aid you. Because politics shape conflict in almost every storytelling situation. While Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood starts out as a family story, these brothers are quickly dragged into the military because of their abilities. Their story becomes tied to the world. As far as the viewer knows, there are three countries at play. Amestris, Shing, and Ishval. There are more, but the story brings these three together through recent war political change. Amestris has slaughtered so many Ishvalans because of a supposed riot in a resulting war. When the brothers uncovered that it was a ruse to harvest the nation's soul for an alchemical rite, they realized that someone from within their government must have agreed to this. On the other hand, the Xing Emperor is dying and has sent his children out to find a Philosopher's Stone, the same thing our main characters are looking for. Worlds collide again, cultures connect, and more secrets are uncovered. None of this would have happened had politics not pushed any of them forward. Had Amestris not been a military state, the main characters wouldn't have been there. The story becomes about the value of human life and how it is irreplaceable. What makes both of these stories so attention-grabbing is that we are immediately introduced to characters who break the mold of their world. We are given rules in world-building, but sometimes... It is the breaking of those rules that actually introduces the conflict or kicks the story off. So in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, there are supposedly no more airbenders because 100 years ago, the Fire Nation wiped them all out. It's right in the title, and yet one of our characters actually ends up being the last airbender. In Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, alchemy is done through seals, circles that are designed to channel a specific magic. Then, in the first episode, we meet Edward Elric, who can use alchemy by clapping his hands together. They have stories we want to watch because they are a kind of disruption in the world. People who go with the flow don't make many ripples. They don't cause conflict. Which leads us right into character development. Part of enjoying a story is not just for the action in the world, but the change that happens along the way. A good story leaves a character changed. Conflict encourages growth. To see others' enduring challenge and rising above it inspires us as the viewing party, don't you think? I certainly prefer stories with character development, both as a consumer and as an editor, and obviously as a writer too. To go all the way back to World of Warcraft from the very beginning of this episode, the leaders of the factions actually grow over time. Well, some of them grow anyway. Some of them remain static, which is actually a whole thing in and of itself that I'm not going to get into today. So the conflicts that these leaders find themselves in, either war with the other faction or against some common enemy, often highlight not only what the leaders are doing right, but what they're doing wrong. Righteous indignation only gets them so far before they learn they have to evolve for the good of the people and the world. I have to admit that I could probably go on all day about character growth in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. Like the main character literally grows up on the screen, his appearance becoming more mature right before you. But I won't. Instead, 
I'm going to gush about an anime that has been blowing up the past couple of years. If you watch anime, you've heard of My Hero Academia. It is one of my personal favorites and one that Leah introduced me to. See? My tastes are right and you should watch what I tell you to watch. (laughs) Kids with fun quirks go to school to become superheroes. Except this one kid who dreamed of being the number one superhero doesn't have a quirk, which is essentially their superpower. Until he runs into the current number one hero. Our main character Midoriya shows All Might, the hero, that he has the traits of a fearless hero. How many times can I say hero? And (laughs) so All Might shares his secret that his power can be passed down. Midoriya has nothing and then he suddenly has this insane strength. Now the kid has to figure out how to use it. While this power is destroying poor Midoriya, because he can't quite figure it out yet, we're introduced to his class, a whole cast of young teens that are given detailed backstories and drives that could have them marked as the main character. This is writing believable people. Not only are believable characters and people important, but so are the redemption arcs that are not so heroic characters might go through. And that's something that I think you see a lot of in anime, actually, is is the redemption arc. So Avatar, I think, has one of like the best redemption arcs I have ever seen, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I could create a whole other podcast about this redemption arc. So as I've already established, the Fire Nation is the one that's the aggressor against the rest of the world. And they are, well, the leaders are pretty bad people. And the Fire Lord's son, Zuko, sets out on a mission to find out who the last airbender is so that he, Zuko, can personally regain his honor. Honor is a big part of his culture, which goes back to world building. And his father says Zuko has lost his honor. So the young prince wants nothing more than to bring honor back to himself and win his father's love. Over time, though, he learns the truth about what his father and grandfather have done to the world and the evils they've committed. Zuko also learns the true meaning of honor, respect, love, and sacrifice as he ventures around the world with his uncle, who is not so loyal to his brother, the ruler. Eventually, Zuko overcomes his own prejudices and hatred and becomes really good friends and allies with the person he once hunted, and he works to right the wrongs his forefathers perpetrated. I'm serious when I could say I could go on and on about this. But as you can see, that's important because it not only ties in world building, but it gives us a believable character who actually wants to change and do good instead of perpetuating evil. Everyone around you has their own desires and dreams. It could be as complicated as becoming better than their father, or it could be as simple as getting an iced coffee after gym. Oh, that's my big, my big desire and dream of the day. That's literally what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Being aware of your character's desires gives your story an extra depth as your characters interact and make decisions based on these drives. And as you can see, the character development and world building in both anime and video games tends to be really intertwined, just like in novels and other forms of fiction. Keep this cause and effect in mind as you craft your world and your character's trajectories and play around with how they might impact each other If you want a truly well-developed, deep, complex story. Next time, 
we'll go into more examples of what you can learn from other forms of fiction, and we'll be covering television and movies in that episode. Love television and movies. So with that, do you have any listener mail for us today, Leah? I do. Shelby asked, how do you find inspiration for what to write about? Ooh. Okay, so that ties almost directly into this episode for me. My current work in progress is heavily influenced by my favorite video game, Destiny 2. Yeah, I would say... It's going to sound so cliche to be like, I find inspiration from the world around me. But I kind of get this hodgepodge of inspiration from the other media that I consume, whether that's books, TV, video games, movies. Um, As you probably guess, Avatar was a really big influence in my young, like, creative life. Um, That's around the age that I got serious about wanting to be a writer, was that, you know, early high school, late middle school age. So watching that got me very interested in character development and world building. But then I also love things like the dichotomy of two factions in World of Warcraft or the, I don't know, um, just anything. I, I can find inspiration anywhere, which I think sounds so cliche and campy and like... I think what we do is we take snapshots from everything around us, from the other media we're taking in, from people around us, to the news in the world today. We take these small snapshots of ideas and impressions that we get from it, and inside us they start to become stories that we need to tell. And inspiration doesn't come from any one source, any kind of magic, it just comes from living your life, which sounds hokey as well. (laughs) that's a good way to put it though because I know I consume these things and then my mind never stops so I think as I process them my subconscious and like creative self just kind of starts to like weave these ideas together to see where they go I like to play the what if game with Mm -hmm. things that I take from real life and I say well what if this happened that's probably where I get my inspiration and ideas Yeah, I hope that helps. I hope that answers your question, whether you were looking for where to find your own inspiration or were just curious about what we do. Uh, So I think that about wraps it up today. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, want to ask your own um, listener mail question, you can find us on social media. I am at BTL Editorial. Leah is at Leah Davis author. And then we also have the at writers McPod accounts, or you can email us at podcast at btleditorial.com. We're always online and we're always ready to help. We will see you next time. Bye. Thanks to purpleplanetmusic.com at www.purple-planet.com for our intro and outro music.